Would you stay standing for a moment here? I want to read to Psalm, uh, Psalm 73, verse 24 here. Psalm 73, verse 24. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this moment to be able to worship you out here. Uh, God, thank you for this weather that we get to sit in your presence and, and we can hear nature around us. And, and we know creation cries out and gives you glory. And God, I know that even if we don't sing, the rocks will sing for us. And so God, I, I pray that we would choose to worship you with all that we are, with everything that is within us, that we would give it to you in this moment. God, guide us with your counsel. Lead us into the destiny you've called us to. Open our ears and our hearts and our minds to hear and receive what you have for us today. In name we pray, amen. You can sit down, church. It's good to be here back in the park. Listen, I, I told you guys uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I had this message and I really, I had it planned out for Mother's Day. I didn't get to do it that day, but I, I just kept thinking about it and processing it. And man, I, I love this word. And so I want you guys to open up scripture with me again. Go to Luke 10, verse 38. Luke 10, verse 38. And if you don't have a Bible, we'll get you a Bible. If you want a Bible, we got some. We always put resources up here on the table. If you ever see stuff out there, just grab it. We want to help resource people, to give people resources that are going to draw them closer to him, to hearing his voice. Luke 10, verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. So here they are in this home and they've been invited in and Mary sits at Jesus' feet to listen to what's being taught, which is revolutionary at this time because what she's doing is she is taking on the role of a disciple, which was a male role in that culture, okay? Women did not sit at the feet of these teachers and listen during this time because what they did, here you'll see, Martha, verse 40, Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. That was what she, Martha wanted Mary to be helping her, okay? You need to be helping prepare this dinner for this banquet that we're putting on. That's what you should be doing, Mary. Mary's not doing it. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. We've all been Martha, right? You've, you've been Martha, you've been Mark, you know, whatever the male version of Martha is, I don't know. Uh, Marty, all right? Sorry if you're a Marty in here, I'm calling you out. But we've all been that person where we've looked at somebody else and we've said, God, like, 
what are they doing? Like, they're not working as hard as me. They're not putting in as much effort. They're not doing as much as me. And we play that comparison game. And we get a little self-righteous and we think, man, they're not doing what I'm doing. Martha's calling out Mary. Doesn't seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work. Tell her to come and help me. We want God to put people in their place. When we see something that we think, oh, that's not fair, that's not right, we go to God in prayer and we say, God, put them in their place. Make things right. Do it now. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. There's this old phrase. Uh, I think it's coined by William Faulkner, all right? And I sound really smart. I Googled it, all right? But it's kill your darlings. You ever heard that phrase? Kill your darlings. Once again, here's Google's breakdown of the meaning, but when you decide to get rid of an unnecessary storyline, character, or sentences in a piece of creative writing, elements you may have worked hard to create, but that must be removed for the sake of your overall story. What's Jesus saying right here to Martha? He's saying, kill your darlings. You're so concerned about the details, and it's hurting your overall story. You're so caught up in the distractions, and it's hurting the overall story I'm trying to write in your life. It, I, I know some of you guys, you, you journal and you follow along. If you're journaling, write that down. Kill your darlings. What are the things right now in your life that are pulling you away from just sitting at his feet? Every distraction. Right now, once again, if you're writing, if you're journaling, write these things down because the Holy Spirit, he is moving and he is speaking right to you. And you know right now, you know what the darlings are that you're holding on to, that you're clinging to. You know there's distractions in your life that you think, oh, these are good things. You're right. Some of your darlings, some of your distractions... They're going to be good things. There's a lot of good things we can do in this world. But you have to ask yourself, is it good or is it for God? Is it good or is it what God is calling me to do? Are you just settling for good instead of listening to God? Because Martha wasn't doing a bad thing. She was doing a good thing. She was thinking, man, I'm going to prepare this dinner. I'm going to make this nice meal. I'm going to serve, and people are going to be blown away by how good the food is and this banquet we're having. It's going to impress people. People are going to love it. That's a good thing to want to serve. But she was missing out on sitting at the feet of God. Right now, this story, when it takes place, Jesus is five months away from the cross. Do you think if she knew that it was only five months until he would be crucified and hung on the cross and buried in a tomb? Do you think if she knew that, that she would have been going around, you know, 
making roast beef or roast lamb, whatever they were having that night, and, you know, cleaning all the seats and wiping the tables down. No, no, no. I think she would have been sitting right there at the feet of Jesus. Kill your darlings. This week, I, I started thinking about Mary and Martha. And I, this story, it's been on my mind because there's things in my life that have come up recently where I think, man, I, I can relate right there. And so this week, my daughter, uh, she's in second grade, and so when she was in kindergarten, she had a couple of field trips planned, and, and then, I mean, we all know what happened, COVID, 2020, all right? Field trips canceled, scrapped, she didn't get to go on them, uh, all of first grade, no field trips, nothing. All of a sudden this year, field trips are back, and they got to do their first field trip this past week. And I had a couple of meetings lined up. And it just happened to be on the day that this field trip was taking place. And so I was kind of waffling back and forth between canceling these meetings and going on the field trip or sticking to my word, which I thought, man, that's a good thing. I don't want to break my word. I made a promise I would do these meetings. I need to be there. I need to be responsible. And it hit me all of a sudden this week. Am I going to remember these meetings I went to on a Thursday at 10 a.m. at some coffee shop in Omaha, Nebraska a year from now, five years from now, 20 years from now? Or am I going to remember going on my daughter's first field trip? And I was like, huh, yeah, that's a, thank you, God. Like, he, he, he put that on my heart. I was like, yeah, yeah, why am I so concerned with these meetings? They weren't bad things. They were good things. But when I dug down to the root of it, why did I care so much? Because all the way back when I started in ministry, I was a youth pastor. And if you don't know this about youth pastors, we get kind of a bad rap, all right? People say, oh, they're late for everything. They never show up on time. Let me tell you something. Our youth pastor, he's always early, all right? He's always on time. We're breaking the mold, all right, Stone, okay? But I heard these things, and I heard people say these things. And, you know, I, I remember showing up to, like, one meeting one time, like, and I had, you know, overslept a little bit, and it was just like the whole staff wouldn't let it go, and it, that just hung with me, and I said, I'm going to break this reputation, and so I started showing up early for every meeting, and I started showing up on time for everything. I never, I never missed anything. I never canceled anything, and I was always early, and I built this reputation, and, and I realized I cared this past week when I was trying to decide what to do, should I do these meetings or should I go on this field trip? It hit me. I cared more about my reputation than I did about what God was really calling me to do. And I think Martha, that's exactly what was going on in her mind. Yeah, she was doing good things, but what was she doing? She was building a reputation in this world because she cared about the thoughts and opinions of men. We do that. We do these things and we build these things up in our mind that we think are so important. It's because we care more about the thoughts and opinions of men than sitting at the feet of God and listening to his voice. There are good things we can do in this world that distract us from godly things. We can get caught up serving and 
you know, doing, you know, all these good things, serving people, doing mission trips. But are we really sitting at the feet of the master just to listen to his voice? To sit and listen in a world that is constantly running, distracted with good things, but not God things. Kill your darlings. Luke 10, 38 again. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. When you go to God, like we, we got these great books up here, right? And we put them out every week, grab one. All it is, is it, it's a devotional. It's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. The thing I like about this is it sets apart two minutes at the beginning and two minutes at the end before you even read your devotional to sit in silence and solitude and listen. Just listen. That's all Mary was doing. She wasn't going to Jesus right here in this moment and giving him a list of like a thousand things like, can you do this for me? Can you do this? Can you heal this? Can you help this? No, no, no. She just sat at his feet to listen. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. So sometimes we think, when Satan is going to attack us, we think, man, it, spiritual warfare, we think sometimes it's going to look like a dragon, but really it's just a distraction. We think spiritual warfare should be obvious and like just blatant, and we should just be able to see it coming from a mile away. You don't even realize spiritual warfare until you are in it two, three, four months in it deep, and you realize finally, oh, what has Satan done? He has distracted me from the presence of God, and that has pulled me farther from the heart of God. That is how he attacks. He's good at what he does. He's a deceiver. He distorts our views so we are distracted with things that we might even think, man, these are good things, but they're not godly things. Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus. It's all about her, her reputation, what she's building. And Jesus said, and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. Don't get wrong. I mean, don't get this wrong. I, I love details. Details are important. My wife is great with details. But don't get caught up in them. Don't get caught up in the details of the good and miss out on the glory of God. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. In the NIV, a little different translation here, 41 and 42. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen, we have choices that we make, she has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken away from her. She has chosen what is better. We get a choice. 
We can choose the good things or we can choose the godly things. There's a better choice. Rewind here. In my life, I've had lots of moments where I struggled with decisions. I struggled with choices. One of those choices that I was wrestling with, and I remember this in college, I, I remember wrestling with this idea of, man, I, it was my senior year, and there was this girl I kind of liked, but there was also this other girl I kind of liked. And I was conflicted in life, and uh, I was really kind of waffling back and forth over, you know, because I knew, all right, you know, in Bible college years, I was old to not be married. You know, I was 22, 23, you know, people were like, wow, you know, that's like, 60s and Bible college years. I don't know. No offense if you're 60 and not married in here. That's okay, all right? But that's where I was at wrestling in my life. And so I was kind of thinking like, man, I, I, I do, I want to get married. I want to find that right person. And I started to realize, yeah, a lot of these choices out here, they're good. And I, I don't believe like there's just like that one person, like that one soulmate for you. But I believe that there's good choices and there's better choices in every aspect of life. You can choose good or you can choose better. It's better to follow after God. And, and I knew what he was saying to me at that point in my life, and it was really obvious. Yeah, yeah, you can settle for good, but Steph is godly. And of course, she's not here when I'm hyping her up today. You know, she's got, Harper's got softball tournament, and she's out doing that with the kids right now. But I, I knew that. Of, of all the girls in my life that I kind of knew as friends and uh, that I had relationships with, I knew that there were good choices, but I knew that she was the better choice because I knew that she followed after God with all of her heart, all of her mind, all of her soul, all of her strength. I knew that there was a better choice. You're going to be faced with some of that this week where you're going to have good choices, things that you can do that look good, they sound good. They might even help build up a good reputation for you this week. Don't settle for good. Chase after God. Chase after his heart because his desire for you leads to a better destiny than what you can do on your own. We try to make our own way in this world. It never goes the way we want it to, but when we step in, following after him, man, the destiny he has for you. Psalm 73, go back there, where we started. The destiny he has for you is better than anything you can come up with on your own. Psalm 73, verse 12. Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. This sounds a little like Martha right here. If I had really spoken, just complaining, wishing she had the life of what others had, wishing she had what she wanted. I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. Verse 16, so I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. 
Then I went into your sanctuary, O God. He is sitting at the feet of the master. That's what it means to go into the sanctuary of God. It, it means to quiet the life around you, to put away your cell phone, to put away the TV, to send your kids out into the backyard or whatever you got to do to find quiet and sit at the feet of the master and listen to his voice. Then I went into your sanctuary, O oh God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. When you start to understand the destiny of the wicked, you're not angry at them anymore. Your heart hurts for them. There's some of you in here right now. You're angry at the wicked. You see the wickedness of this world and you hate them. You despise them. You are angry at what they're doing and you can't believe God is letting them get away with it. But when you go into the sanctuary and you sit at the feet of God and you listen to his voice and you listen to his heart, you know that the master, he hurts for the lost. He loves the lost. He loves those who are far from him. And he is calling them back to repent, to revive, and to thrive. When you live in the calling God has on your life, it leads to revival. It leads to a thriving that no other way of this world can show you or teach you. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and you send them, in, send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. If, if we don't repent, if we don't turn back to God, if we don't turn back to the desires of his heart, man, our destiny is destruction. That's it, plain and simple. In an instant, they are destroyed completely, swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. Even in our senselessness, even in our stupidity, even in our simplicity, he still holds our right hand and we still belong to him. Verse 24, you guide me with your counsel, leading me to glorious destiny. When you walk in the counsel of the Lord, when you walk in obedience to his word, he leads you to glorious destiny. That's what Stone was talking about in the very beginning here during communion. We're really good as the church at getting people into the door, but we're not so good at helping them walk into the destiny that God is calling them to. We'll get you in the door. We'll get you saved. We'll get you in the waters of baptism. But beyond that, we struggle to call people into the destiny God has for them. But when you begin to walk in the counsel of the Lord, when you begin to open his word and live by it, he teaches you to walk in the destiny he has for you. And it's better than the destiny of destruction that the world offers. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. 
Some of you are, are in here right now and you're thinking, that's not true. I don't desire God more than anything I have on earth. I, I desire these things of the world. I, I desire uh, a family. I desire wealth. I desire uh, new things, better things, good things. Ask him today to teach you to desire to have the heart that chases after him again. I'll never forget driving home from Lincoln, Nebraska. I was driving back to my college and I didn't want to go. I, I just was like, I was like sick of being there. I was like one month in and I just, I wanted to go back home because that's where, man, the desires of the flesh, that was all back home. And I wanted to go back to that life, back to following the ways of the world. And I, I remember just flipping on the radio and just randomly. And sometimes God will speak to you in the most random ways. And I didn't want what God wanted for my life, but I wanted to want it. And this guy said this prayer and he said this, and I, I've been quoting it ever since to people, but he said those exact words. He, say, you, he said, you may not want what God wants for your life, but you can start praying and asking him, God, help me to want what you want. Help me to desire what you desire, and he will change the desires and wants of your heart. He changed mine, because I didn't want to live by his word. I wanted to live by the world. I wanted to live for the flesh. But when I started praying that prayer, it changed me. And, and so if that's you today, man, write that prayer down. God, help me to want what you want. Help me to desire what you desire for my life, and he will change your heart. He'll bring revival. Worship team, you can come on up. Let's get ready to close here. The, the world, the enemy is at work in the world. He came to steal, he came to kill, he came to, to destroy. And every distraction he throws at you is a disruption to the destiny God's calling you into. Ask him today to reveal the distractions, to reveal every distraction in your life right now that is pulling at you, keeping you from sitting at the feet of the master and listening to his voice in your life. And kill your darlings. Even if they're good things, kill them, take them to the feet of the Lord and say, God, I'm done with this. I want what you want for my life. And I want to want that daily. Let's stand up together, church. He loves you. He loves us. He desires relationship with you. Everything right now pulling at you in this world, you can lay it down in this moment and you can say, no, no, no. I'm done with the distractions. I want the destiny he's laid out for me. When you sacrifice the good, when you sacrifice the distractions, when you sacrifice and lay it at the altar, everything that you thought was worth living for in this world, he'll draw near 
to you. James says that. James 4, 7 through 10, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. There's some of you today, that is what he's doing and that's what he's, speak, that's what he's speaking to you in your life. He wants to draw near to you in a new way. But you have to lay it down at the altar. You have to resist the devil and say, God, I, I don't want these things anymore. I want what you want. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you.